Psalm 86, 12 says, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify your name forevermore. For great is your mercy toward me. And you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. I hope you are excited to be here this morning. Understanding as the psalmist wrote that we have come this morning to worship the one and only God. Amen? The one and only God. The God who showed mercy on us, knowing that we don't deserve it. You know, the wages of sin is what? Death. The penalty for our mess-ups and mistakes is death. But the God we are worshiping this morning, the God we're worshiping, made a way for us to be right in His sight. By sending His Son, amen? By sending Jesus, the Christ, the one who made the atonement once and for all for us to be found right in His sight. This is the God we worship. The God who loves us so much. The God who gave us grace and mercy, which is translated salvation. What a God! What a God. What a loving God who gave us the gospel, gave us a way to tell people the truth, to tell people the way to be saved. This is the God we are worshiping this morning. Are you excited to be here, to be pleasing to Him, to really and truly be worshiping this morning in spirit and in truth? Man, what an awesome concept to think about. As James said, and we talked about in class today, not a physical relationship, an actual spiritual relationship with the Creator of everything. Boy, I'm excited about that. I I can't talk enough about it. But I'm going to have to cut to another subject real quick. If you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Verses 1 through 20 is where we'll be talking today. And we're going to be talking about the 70 being sent out. And as we begin, I I want to use uh, a verse in chapter 9, verse 56, kind of as the springboard for my lesson this morning. You know, the springboard where you jump off the end of the pool. That's kind of where I want to uh, use this verse to do, to leap us into the lesson. And the verse is uh, Luke 9, 56. Jesus tells uh, James and John, uh, they're coming through this Samaritan village, and this village had rejected Jesus. They didn't receive Him. And James and John were mad, and they were mad to the point where they were like, Lord, we need to send fire down on them, like Elijah. Boy, I'm glad they're not the Savior, right? Boy, I'm glad they're not the one that's going to be casting the judgment in the the last day, right? Not while I'm still alive. Not while I still have a chance. And that's what Jesus tells them. Look what He says. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. 
Think about that as we continue in this lesson. Jesus was on a mission to save people's lives, not destroy them. And so let's consider five points just briefly. The first thing, if our mission is to save people's lives like Jesus does, we must be and pray for fellow laborers. Look at verses 1 through 3. Chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. Then He said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Jesus told the 70 to go out before Him and preach the kingdom. And He says, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. As Christians, we are a part of the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom isn't near to us. The kingdom has come with power. The church is here. It's established. And we are a part of it if we are uh, members of the Lord's church. But when we think about the world, when we think about all the people in the world, and we think about the church, it's kind of the same concept. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. What a great concept to think about. The laborers are few. And so what does Jesus tell him? He says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And you know, I fall victim to this. I, I, I told the Bible class this. I pray all the time for people to obey the gospel. I pray all the time that I would have an opportunity, I would have an opportunity to go and share the gospel with somebody. And I do. I pray for the church that we would be able to go and, and tell people the truth and, and give them a knowledge of understanding of what the Bible says. But you know, I don't pray to the Lord to not only convert these people, but to teach, let them go out and be teachers. I kind of stop. My prayer stops. Lord, not only convert them, let them be teachers. Lord, send teachers to go preach the gospel. Do you pray to the Lord about adding people to the church that they will go and spread the gospel? That they will? Not just you and not just the church. Actually, hey Father, I pray that these people will learn the truth, that they will obey the gospel and they will go and preach and further the gospel. Specific people. Prayer works, amen? I see three people that we've been praying for that are here. Hey, prayer works. James 5.16 The effective, fervent prayer of a what? Unrighteous man? No. Righteous man avails much. So many times we pray for our needs and that's not bad. That's what we need to do. We need to go to the Father in prayer. That's why He gives us that avenue. But Jesus is telling them and, and telling us too that we need to pray that the Lord would send more into the harvest. 
Is that our mind frame? Are we praying about the harvest? Are we worried about the harvest? Every convert will, every person that anybody who is a Christian comes in contact with, they will be saved and they'll have the courage to teach it and preach it. And I love the, the other part of this too is He sends them out by two. Can you go and preach the gospel by yourself? Can you go visit the, with the gospel and, and tell people about the gospel by yourself? Absolutely. And we need to do that. But boy, isn't it great when you got a buddy with you wanting to do the same thing? Huh? Isn't it, isn't it alright when you got ten people that are wanting to go and, hey man, let's go visit and let's go preach. Let's go do some Bible study. What about 20? 20 people. Huh? Hey, let's meet at the church building. Let's go visit. Let's go talk. Let's go uh, door knocking. Let's go do whatever. 20 people. Think about that. Jesus knows that the numbers that grow for Him is for the benefit of the kingdom. The more that are excited, the more that are wanting to do this, the better the success of the kingdom. Will the kingdom go away? Absolutely not. But what is He wanting us to learn? He's wanting us to learn to do just like Him. Every single person can do it. Every person. Boy, I love thinking about that. I love thinking about the fact that 20 people, 30 people, 40 people would be excited to go tell the gospel to somebody. The kingdom is not near. The kingdom's here. Number two. This is adding on. And boy, I'm, I just want to hurry up and skip a couple points to get to one point, but I'm trying to hold back, alright? The second point is if our mission is to save people's lives, we have to let God's Word show us how to do it, Right? I bark up this tree a lot, but boy, it's the only tree that really needs to be barked up. I can give you my opinion all day. And I'll tell you what, I got some pretty good opinions. Alright? I got some pretty good ideas that would probably work pretty good. May have to share some with the elders, see what they think. But, God's Word is perfect. It's the perfect plan. His idea was perfectly planned for us. Look at verse 11. Actually, look at verses 4 through 9, and we'll get to 11 in just a second. See, I'm so pumped up, I want to skip a bunch of stuff. He says, Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter first, say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick. There and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus tells them, 
what to do. Don't bring certain things. Don't go from house to house. Stay in the same house once they accept you. Heal the sick and tell people the kingdom is near, right? But if a city doesn't receive them, uh, as in verse 11, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Wipe it off. If you go to a city and they don't accept you, wipe the dust off and go on. He's telling them what to do. We are blessed, brethren, beyond our comprehension, really. Because we have, as the church of Christ, the Lord's body, the unadulterated truth. Not unadulterated, I love that word. Uh, Not mixed with any different or extra elements. (laughs) Think about that. We have the not mixed with any different or extra element, complete and absolute truth. Been there, tried to fight it. Uh Uh-uh. The unadulterated truth that's only found in God's Word. Does that come from a headquarters? Did that come from a man who had this vision? Did it come from these traditions that have been passed down from years? Yes. It came from the Bible. It came from Jesus. It came through the apostles. And it's come to us through His Word. So when Mark 16, 15, and 16, which we all know says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved. we got to do it. He's telling us what we need to do. He's showing us what we need to do. And when we get our minds, uh, brethren, uh, wrapped around the fact that the gospel is what's so important, and we understand that the Lord wants willing people to serve... And we realize that that gift that we have, that unadulterated truth is so special. How can we not be excited to go and share it with others? How can we hold that in? How can it not be spewing out? I need to tell you something about a man. We do it by understanding God's Word. What does it say? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? Number three, if our mission is to save people's lives, we must labor with purpose and passion. Are you passionate about the gospel? I'm passionate about the gospel. I love it. (laughs) I wasn't a part of it at one time. I was separated from the truth. But not anymore. I understand what it means to be saved. And I want to tell you about it if if you're not sure about it. Because the wages of sin truly is death. I want to encourage you this week 
to look and read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 20 and 21, and chapter 6, 1 through 2. I want to show you somebody who is passionate about telling somebody the truth. Listen to Paul right here. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, yes, he's talking about the apostles and what they are and what they're doing. But let me ask you this question. If you are in Christ, the word ambassador, the Greek word there means a representative. If you are in Christ, are you a representative of Christ? Absolutely. So listen to what he says. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And look at 6, 1 through 2. We then as workers together with Him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain, For He says, in acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today, you can obey the gospel and become a child of God. Can you see that passion in that man? He understood it. He knew he was a man who killed Christians. And was passionate about it. And now here he is, he's turned and he's just as passionate to tell him, you can be saved. Gentile Jew, it don't matter what you've done, what you've said, how you've acted. With purpose and passion. Number four. If our mission is to save people, we have to know we might not save Everyone. And catch this. Verses 12 through 15. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to the heaven, will be brought down to Hades. These verses specifically talk about what Jesus tells them to say to those who don't accept the truth and don't realize what they're missing out on. Look at verse 15 again. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to the heaven, will be brought down to Hades. Here was Capernaum, who had seen the Lord performing uh, miracles, teaching these uh, things, and they didn't accept it. They didn't accept it. He says, you're exalted to heaven because I was here, and now you're going to be brought down to Hades because you didn't accept it. You didn't receive it. The kingdom was there. 
I was here. Jesus in the flesh was here with you and you didn't accept it. What about us, brethren? If we aren't going and doing what we're supposed to do by the Lord's commandments, how do you think judgment day is going to go for us? It's 2016. We know way more than Sodom. We know way more than Capernaum, right? The kingdom isn't near. The kingdom has come. We as laborers have got, for this harvest, have got to go and present to these people the truth. We got to. Shame on us if we don't. If we truly want to be like Jesus and not destroy men's lives but save them, But sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we do it. Sometimes we want to uh, step out and, and go out of our uh, what we're not really comfortable with. And then we study with somebody and then what happens? They don't follow through. Maybe they obey the gospel and then they leave. And so we get discouraged. And we talked about this. Doug brought it up in class. We blame ourselves. Hey, God helps you with that. He takes the pressure off of you. Look at what he says in verse 16. He who hears you hears me. And he who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Remember God uh, in the Old Testament, the Israelites came and they said, Samuel, we want a king. We want to be like everybody else. Samuel gets upset. He's mad and he's sad about it. And God says, don't worry about it. They're not mad at you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. But here's something to think about. If you're presenting the gospel to somebody, how are you doing it? Are you a jerk? Are you a jerk to somebody when you're presenting the gospel? To where they just can't even receive it because of how you act and the way you talk to them? Colossians 4, 5. Very, very good scripture to think about. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always, not once, every once in a while, mm -mm, always be with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, am I saying shy away from the truth? Absolutely not. But can I present the truth in a way, the truth, unadulterated, nothing added, in a way that is with grace and seasoned with salt? Absolutely. And then if they get mad at me, they're not mad at me because they saw it from the Bible. Amen? And know this, you were pleasing to God in what you did. What does 1 Corinthians 3, 6 say? I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? God. Amen? 
I got to do my job, and my job is to plant or water, and I don't know which one I'm doing. You know what? And that person, when I talk to them, may not obey the gospel, but maybe they never heard it, and I planted that seed. Maybe they've heard it just a little bit, and I watered on it. And that one day, maybe, Lord willing, they would say, you know what? I need to obey the gospel, the truth. And the fifth thing, if our mission is to save people, we rejoice that through Him, our names and others are written in heaven. Amen? Isn't that it right there? They were casting out these demons and they'd come back and boy, they were so excited. Because I mean, could you imagine that? I'd be excited. I'd be excited if I could cast demons out. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're missing it. Don't be excited about that. Be excited that your name is written in heaven. You're going to come get to be with me forever. Hey, rejoice in that. Fix your mind on that. I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. I ain't scared of no wolf. I told him in Bible class, and I'll go ahead and tell y'all, Mark and Regina got me straightened out. When a wolf bites you, it hurts. Amen? Not just a little bit, it hurts. And Doug helped me out a little bit more. A wolf don't want to just bite a sheep. A wolf wants to kill it. But guess what? Jesus ain't scared of no wolf. I got a protector And if I follow Him, guess what? Your name gets written in heaven, in the book of life. I want to end with this, 1 John 3. 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is, and everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. I thank You, Lord, for being in You. I thank You, Lord, for Your Gospel. I thank You, Lord, for Your salvation. And guess what? One day, I'm going to be with You. Come back. Maranatha, right? Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Come on. Because I know my name is written in heaven. I'm confident about that because I'm living for You, doing what You tell me to do. I don't have to worry about it. I know for sure I have eternal life. What a great story. Send the 70 out to go preach the kingdom. Hey, brethren, we can go out and preach the kingdom has come. And Jesus saves. If you need to obey the gospel, if you need to repent, if you need to do anything, if you need prayers, you can do it right now. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. When you are immersed in water, your sins are washed away. And you begin a life living 
new because you've decided to turn and repent from old sins and you're willing to confess in front of men that you believe Jesus is truly the Son of God. If you have something uh, that need, you need to take care of, you can right now. It's together. We stand and sing.